for another episode of the AWS Developer Podcast. Today we're joined by Harry Maurer, Director of the AWS Code Suite, and Doug Clausen, Product Manager of Code Suite. Thank you for coming. We're so excited to have you. I'm super excited to be here too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We're thrilled. Um, so we're here to talk about brand new product. I'm. I am beyond excited about this product. I've thought it was amazing for over a year now, and I'm so excited that we actually get to share it with um, everyone. So Harry, can you introduce yourself? Just tell us a little bit about CodeSuite and then also um, Code Catalyst. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, my name is Harry Maurer. I am director for the AWS CodeSuite. I've been at Amazon for about four and a half years. Uh, before this, I was at Red Hat for about four years. and at Microsoft for quite a while before that. And uh, the reason I say all these things is because no matter where I've been, I've always worked in DevTools. So I'm, I'm a bit of a one trick pony. I've only ever really worked in the developer space, DevTool space. And uh, so one of the things I've always wanted to do every place I've gone is make the developer experience better. Uh, I always want to make it easier. Um, I had these dreams of when I started doing development and that was in the early 90s. and I, I feel like it's only gotten harder since then. It's never gotten easier. And I've always tried, I'm trying to buck the trend uh, and make you know really complicated uh, ideas and application development easier for all developers, whether you're an advanced developer doing it for a long time or you know new to development in AWS. So that's why I'm, I'm really excited about Code Catalyst, the, the new product that you, you mentioned uh, we're launching at reInvent this year. Because it does that, right? So uh, Code Catalyst brings together all the tools and um, technologies that software development teams and individuals need to build applications fast and quickly on AWS, right? So um, today we had a bunch of different developer tools that we offered uh, through AWS. That's those the code suite. So anyone who's familiar with AWS um, developer tools, you know, there's a bunch of services out there. Start with code, code build, code deploy, code pipeline. There's about six of them in total. Um, they really work great for doing individual things, but they didn't really work great as an end to end solution for developers, right? They're mostly used by large customers who want to build their own de developer tools and their own developer experience. And um, what we saw was customers, while they like that benefit, if they really wanted to invest the time and energy to uh, build their own custom tool chains, they really just wanted to come to AWS, have something pre-built for them, managed for them, and also to help them better understand how to build for AWS. So one of the things we also do inside of Code Catalyst is make it really easy for you to get started right by providing a full library of blueprints that um, codify the best practices that we know of for building applications on AWS. And so within a few clicks, you can um, basically customize these blueprints and be able to deploy a fully running application with a complete dev environment and all the tools that your development team needs to uh, to start building the application and, and, and start moving forward. So yeah, so, you know, back to that, you know, making it easier for developers and the development experience. We think this is one of the, this is the fastest way for uh, teams to come to AWS, get up and running with an application, have everything they need to build applications on AWS. That's incredible. I love the focus of that. I think um, you brought up some things that are interesting to me. One that it's gotten harder, which I think if I'm following what you're saying, it's often around the complexity. Uh, I think everything's gotten so complex um, that it's, you know, you're, you struggle with friction as well as this sort of um, 
decision fatigue, right? We have to make decisions around what products to use all the time. Uh, and it's, it's difficult. So, but the, the other thing that you mentioned was developer experience. I want to talk about that for a minute because, and Doug, feel free to jump in here. Um, and then I, I'll come back and, and I'll circle back and uh, introduce you properly. But we use developer experience ubiquitously across tech right now. But I don't think that we all agree on what the actual definition is. Uh, so what do you think of, what do you, how do you define developer experience? Uh, um, developer experience is the thing that you take for granted because it's so good, it just fades into the background, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, one of the, you know, we spent a lot of time building this application and it does a lot of things, right? It does everything from helping you plan your work to edit source code, to stand up your development environment, to deploy your code, tons of things, right? But once you, when I start using the product, all that sorts of quickly fade into the background. And I really just spend a lot of time focusing on my code. And I know, you know, I make my code changes. I see if they're working locally. I commit my changes back. And I know that Code Catalyst in the background is doing everything that it needs to do. So for us, you know, the, the best thing you know, we talk about developer experience, it's that experience that helps developers get into that flow of solving problems quickly and everything else just sort of fades to the background. Um, that's what we're really striving to do. And also make things really uh, accessible um, at your fingertips, right? There's nothing more annoying to me than having a alt tab, you know, on Windows. So alt tab through a bunch of different uh, windows or tabs in a browser or different screens to go find what you want. I want everything, you know, accessible where I'm working. So we've spent a lot of time doing integrations into popular IDEs. We spent a lot of time crafting the uh, experience within the web client so that everything that it should be related is related to in the screen. And so it's this real uh, simple way of sort of going through all the different phases of software development. And just real quick, one thing I don't want to, I feel like I'm going to hog this whole thing by talking about it, but I, but I get excited about this. No, is You've only been working on this thing for, I don't know how many years. 20 some years, my entire career. Okay. We'll, we'll allow you, we'll allow five minutes for you to be able to talk about this. Eric. But everyone thinks about the complexity of the application, right? Like, oh, the application framework, this is a, you know, um, uh, a serverless application. It's got all these different services or it's a containerized application. I'm running on, and everyone thinks about the complexity of the actual application, but there's the complexity of the application plus the complexity of the overall tool chain and the development environment, right? Because it takes a lot of time. Like once you decide that I'm going to go build a containerized application, I'm going to use whatever Go to do this, that, the other thing, then you have to build this entire sort of infrastructure and scaffolding around it to make it really easy for you to continually make changes. And then you add the a second dimension of applications are barely, rarely written by one developer at a time anymore. It's always either two or more a team. And then how do you get that whole team to collaborate? Um, you know, it's that the complexity is that's where the other, that's where the real complexity is a lot of the times, right? Cause you can, you can, you have a lot of technology that makes it easy to write and debug code. And in some cases handle the infrastructure, but pulling it all together into a, you know, into one cohesive experience that everyone can understand. Um, that's where the complexity is really happening. And then, of course, then you take into account that they might have multiple cloud providers and multiple services, and it just gets harder and harder. So, um, I, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. I'll let Doug talk and other people <laughs> and talk no, now. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll add to that and just say it slightly, I'll say the same thing, but maybe in a, a slightly different manner. 
I think if we do the developer experience right, it'll feel fluid, right? You could pick the language you want, the architecture you want, who you want to work with, and it, no matter what you pick, it should be a smooth experience. And so it's almost like one of those things that when we build it, 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 it the impact should be that it's what you expected, right? You should be able to spend more time delivering value to your customers and not mm -hmm. spending time worrying about well, how do I do this architecture? If I pick this architecture, I can't use this tool, right? Like all of the the uh, things that need to be interconnected, they're interconnected mm -hmm. for you and you're, you're off and running. Yeah, yeah. Like, like one little simple, I'm gonna jump in again. One little simple thing like that I really love. So Code Catalyst has the ability for you to automatically spin up your development environment in the cloud, right? So this is, um, I wanna go make a source code change and I need to you know fire up my IDE, make a change, test it, and then commit it back. Um, I was just doing this today. I was like, uh, you know, so a lot of times I just, I take advantage in the product. I take advantage of the dev environments for me to be able to do that. I was like, I want to try this locally again, right? I'm just going to just run everything on my new, my new machine. And um, so I had just rebuilt my desktop. I just reinstalled VS Code. I'm pulling down a React app and I'm like, I got to install NPM. Oh, I got to configure my Git handler. Oh, Got it. And you, you, if there are all these little things, you're like, oh, you have to do it once, but that's not true. I always have, there's always some situation where I constantly having to go back and do this. And um, it's just these, all these little paper cuts add up to just me a really a bad experience. And th these are some of the things that we're trying to, to, to make simple, right? All the little things that add up. Yeah. I mean, I, so my kid is seven, so I've seen Frozen 2 124 times. And um, that song, you know, the, I think it's called the next, the next right thing. Right. I feel like great developer experience tells me what the next right thing is. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't need to know how to solve the whole the whole kit and caboodle, but I do need to know, OK, I want to do X. I need uh, Y. Right. I think, um, yeah, you know, that the next the next right thing, it should be intuitive. But one of the mm -hmm. greatest things well, while we were at, while I was at Microsoft, I think one of the best things, you know, saw the evolution of Visual Studio. And, you know, like it's something as simple as IntelliSense. Right. And be able to dot your way through a class. Like that sort of sets the tone for developer experience going forward. Like everything should just unfold in front of you and just be at your fingertips and sort of fade in and fade in the background when you need it to, right? Like um, that's super critical, right? Yes. To be able to, to find, to easily dot your way through the experience is kind of what I tell people. Definitely. So we have um, obviously the code suite, pretty verbose set of services typically used by enterprise customers. Um, I'm very excited about Amazon Code Catalyst, but why now? Why uh, ship this this product in 2022? I feel like there's a new developer tool that comes out every single week that doesn't work with anything else that, that, that's out there and needs to have solutions built for it, right? It, it feels like there's this sort of shift towards, and, and I'll say previously customers were more interested in taking those and building their customized solutions. It feels like there's been a bit of a shift to you know, I'll say the all-in-one tool or allowing users to sort of pick up something and run with the entire solution. Like, I think, well, you know, why now is in the in the past, we saw a lot of customers wanting, really embracing sort of best of breed tools for all the things that they wanted to do. And they really thought it was a, it, it was something that they needed to do. More and more, we see customers wanting an all-in-one solution. They want to, they want something that's sort of, there's a, how do we say this? There's a um, uh, coalescing. There's a uh, it's, um, it's uh, you know, there's a consensus Senator, building. This is how I feel about it. As someone who's now just been doing AWS for two years, it was all these parts 
And it's like, I just want to build something. And what I love about what you're all doing is you're actually taking the approach that I can just go build something. Like I can look at it as an app. And mm -hmm. I know there's other services and everything that you've had to do underneath because these were all little puzzle pieces are actually now fitting together because that's how customers think. Like, can we baseline some of this? I know there's been a ton of announcements today is, and, and like all new tech, there's going to be some new terms, right? And so maybe I'm using code suite today. I've got some Git integration, but I know there's a whole bunch of things that go into this, like blueprints and dev environments. And how did you come up with all these names? What was your thinking? Because you've been thinking about this problem for a while. And these kind of consistent environments as I'm building across teams to be successful. Can you talk a little bit to that? Yeah, I could. Let me let me think. Let me walk you through on kind of what the problems we saw were and that we're trying to solve, and then how we got to blueprints and dev environments, which are really the solutions, right? So Harry talked about it a little bit already, but um, there was four major problems we were or four problems we were trying to solve. One setting up projects and new projects is just like you just said, Dave, it's too, it's too hard, right? And nobody yeah. wants to spend time doing that. They want to spend time building and, and adding features and feature richness to their particular capabilities. So setting up was too hard. Setting up not only the project itself, but the pipelines, the workflows, how am I going to get that CICD set up uh, properly and deploying properly, including building the infrastructure that I need, how do I con consistently manage the environments, both my IDEs, right? As well as the, my environments in the cloud where I'm deploying to, right? My staging, my dev, my test environments. And then the last was, you know, in order, if, if I've got a sort of a, a, um, a conglomerate system of a bunch of different best of breed tools, if I want you to work on my project, I've got to get you involved in a whole bunch of different tools that maybe I, you know, it just feels like it's not really helpful, right? What I really want is I want you collaborating with me and helping me build. Um, and so I'll just call out blueprints here as so as those being kind of the four problems. The first thing that we wanted to do was make it super easy to get started and get started correctly. Right. AWS has a solutions library that has a bunch of instructions on how you could go build a well-architected app. But but you actually have to go follow those steps. Right. And what a blueprint does is think of it like a a single cl button click, right? You pick your language you want, you pick the architecture you want, you pick the type of app you're gonna build, you go find the blueprint for that particular solution, you hit go and it provisions everything you'll need from an issues board, uh, you know, for agile project management to all the source code and the repos, uh, the, the workflows, any test scripts that would be pre-set up for you for code coverage tests, things like that. Uh, and then also environments, right? So that you can deploy. So you, you will go from clicking that button to your first deployment in minutes, right? And you'll have a working web app or a working uh, container-based solution or a working serverless app. Uh, and that's that's where we started with Blueprints. And what does that do? Because we've covered uh, CDK, you know, a lot of infrastructure as code tools. Is it using CloudFormation and CDK underneath? Or is this, uh, you know, something that developers are going to need to learn how do I make sure if I'm already using the tech within my organizations that I can easily integrate this within a, a, a blueprint? Is there is there a bunch of canned blueprints as well? You want to take it, Harry? I don't want to. I don't want to hog this whole section. <laughs> no, no, you hog it. You do okay. it. You're doing great. Yeah. So, so look what at I that. Saying, look at that words of affirmation from Harry. Teamwork. Uh, teamwork so makes the dream work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Under the hood, it is using all of the CDK cloud formation, right? It's, it's using nice. the technology for you, right? So you don't have to go out and learn it yourself. 
we're starting with, I have to be careful here. Is it 14 now, Harry? It's 15. <laughs> I think we have 15. Right. I'll say we're starting with up to 15 blueprints um, around a whole bunch of stuff, right? Container-based solutions, like I mentioned, uh, serverless solutions, event-driven architectures, um, web apps. Uh, and, and then in each one of those, you'll be able to select, you know, languages that you want to use, uh, for example. They're configurable to make them fit for your your particular solution. Yeah, but I think what's really nice, especially with CDK, so so it, while it scaffolds out all the CDK for you, right? So like if your application has, you know, if it's using an S3 bucket, it's using a, a Lambda function, it's using... API gateway, it's going to, you know, through that blueprint, it's going to initially scaffold out all that uh, infrastructure in CDK for you. But what's really nice is uh, as part of the blueprint too, we'll, we'll automatically create the workflows that auto that have the right actions in there for doing okay. things like bootstrapping your CDK environment and then doing a CDK deploy. And what's nice about that in extension is like when you watch the, uh, when you look at the results of the workflow, we have, you know, a, special kind of experience around CDK where you can see all the stacks that were deployed. You can click through to the underlying cloud formation. You can then go into your account, see what, everything that was deployed. So it's really connected from beginning to end. And, and that's great. But where it really shines, especially for me, is like, all right, so now you did this. You go into your code. You start making changes. I'm going to add, uh, say, another Lambda or something like that to my application. I just make my code changes and I commit the code. I know that that workflow is there in the background automatically there and working. So I know it's just going to get deployed. I don't have to worry about figuring out how do I do a, how do I do a CDK deployment now, right? Like it, how do I do a CDK deployment through a pipeline, right? Because I think a lot of developers who use CDK are used to doing it low, you know, as on their local machine. But yeah. when you get to a team environment, you want to do it through a pipeline. How do you set that up? Well, it's already set up for you. It's part of the blueprint. So can it, you lock, this is just a, can you lock Harry version? Because CDK iterates super quick. Can you lock versions underneath within those blueprints so that no changes are coming in? Uh, we can. I don't know if we do right now, but that's a good point. Is it just whatever version you pulled when you built? Yeah, it's a, whatever version you pulled. Yeah, exactly. When okay. when when the I know with time. the CDK team, that was a big thing as they moved into 2.0 is you know breaking things out versus monolith and how do we handle keeping things stable because mm -hmm. they were just iterating so so fast. I mean, good good iteration, but I think in a tool like this, it's it's neat to kind of have control over those things, especially within environments like that. Yeah, and I don't know if we want to talk about it, but let, let's talk about it a little bit. So one of the things we are, like we want to do with these blueprints, so just don't let, one thing we should set back is, I encourage everyone to try out Code Catalyst. You go up, you can obviously sign up for free. You, you can sign up with just an email and What's password. the URL? I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, CodeCatalyst.aws, right? So it's a it's awesome. it's its own experience. It sits outside of the AWS console. You sign up with Code Catalyst using. Wait a minute, take that back a second. Uh -huh. It sits outside of the AWS console. Yeah. So one of the things we wanted to do is make a developer experience that was tailored for everyday developer use, right? For all the good things about the AWS console, one of the things that doesn't isn't really great is if you're going to sit there and work for eight hours a day trying to build an application, it's not really the best um, environment for you to do that in, right? And so we really wanted to create a, an environment that was uh, tailored for everyday developer use. So some of the things we do a little bit differently is you sign up for Code dot or sign up for Code Catalyst uh, using a new form of AWS ID called a uh, builder ID, right? So you sign up, you create a builder ID, 
in order to create a builder ID, all you need is a email and password, right? You don't, no credit card required, none of the, the normal sort of lengthy uh, account creation process. You simply build your, your uh, create your builder ID. Then you're going to get into creating your first uh, code catalyst space, which is that place for you to organize all your work. Um, and then as part of creating your space, you're going to connect uh, an AWS account that we can use to deploy into, right? So you create your space and then the very next thing you're going to do is create a project. And so this is where all the magic really happens. This is where we keep talking about these blueprints. It's really about creating a new project. And you have two choices. You can either use a blueprint, which we provide for you, or you can start from scratch. And starting from scratch just means you're going to build, you know, import your own source code. You're going to build your own workflows. You're going to do all those sorts of things. So I don't want to get anyone get the impression that you have to use a blueprint. You can completely customize. We can start from scratch. Starting from a blueprint has a lot of advantages like we've been talking about, right? So it automatically scaffolds these things for you and it sort of puts you on a path to building applications, what we call the well-architected way, right? So these are based off of uh, sort of the best standards that we've developed over the years for how to build applications on AWS. I was going to go somewhere with this. <laughs> and um, so once you get into um, actually creating your first project, right, you asked me a question before, Dave. It was about CDK, and then you asked me something about that after that. What was that question you asked me? That's right. We're all getting older, Harry. I know. I know. I, like, I, I got to take more. So Omega I thought what was interesting was work talking about workspaces and the fact that this happens outside of the console opens it up, and the way that you, you're looking at it is you're you are deploying actually to an AWS account. So this is its right. own tool set separate from that where I'm looking at actually building and creating these these projects. Right. Because and this is where I was. Good. This is where I wanted to go with this, right? So it's it does sit outside the AWS console, and we use these blueprints as a means for you to get started quickly and the right way. And then and then you can deploy into your AWS account or many different AWS accounts, right? So you can connect as many eight different accounts as you want to. You could have one for Dev, one for Prod, one for all the different um, for different scenarios that you would have. But our long-term vision for these isn't that it's a static get you started in the right way kind of thing. This is we also want blueprints to be a way for you to um, basically codify your organization's best uh, practices and have the projects that use those blueprints evolve over time. So the pro our pro our blueprint system is actually based off of uh, a CDK technology called Progen, which. Yeah. Um, which allows long-term, you know, we're not going to launch with this support, but it's one of the very first things that we're probably going to um, make available to customers is the ability to do lifecycle management of your projects through the blueprint. So oh, let's nice. say you have, you have a single page application that you defined as a blueprint and you want, it was, you wanted your team to use React, but now you're going to move to Angular. Well, you can update that blueprint and then every project that was based off of that blueprint would get something like a pull request that said, Hey, are the standards have been up, have been changed to Angular? Do you want to update your project to that? And nice. Actually, um, so that's that's coming. That that's wasn't coming. launched. That's okay. coming. Yeah, I, but I love hearing about yeah, where your head's coming. at for what's 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 next. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. That would be um, incredible. Yeah, and it will. The reason I bring it up is because it was a, when people look at the blueprint system and how you build blueprints. And that's the other thing too is when we launch, we're going to have roughly 15 of them that people can use right out of the, uh, right out of the gate. Um, we're going to make it impossible for you to publish your own blueprints. Um, you know, again, shortly after launch, we didn't quite get a chance to be able to include that right now. But um, when you see how to create blueprints, you're going to 
see the technology and say, oh, wow, this is based off this thing and I know it can do more. And those are the, the more things that we anticipate this doing, you know, full lifecycle management, the ability for organizations to publish their own blueprints, which would establish a standard across all the teams for then them to then manage their projects through that. So it's awesome. I think one of my favorite things about uh, AWS services is you don't generally hit abstraction walls. You can always look under the hood, export, add things, um, you know, iterate as you proceed. And, and I think we don't talk enough about the power that that gives developers and development teams um, to adjust as their system scales or changes uh, or they pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's incredible. And you mentioned, you know, what's coming up. I think it's great that we are very curious to hear from the community and receive that feedback and iterate on that feedback. I think I can speak for the whole team involved in this when I say we're, we're genuinely looking to meet the needs of developers in the best way possible. Um, and so, you know, we really want to hear from folks and see how they're, how they're using the product, what they want next, that type of thing. Yeah. And I can uh, actually want to mention one thing. So we're as part of launching code catalyst, there's a new uh, developer support forum called repost that is also launching uh, at the same time. Again, you can use your builder ID, sign up with a builder ID, you have access to repost and we have a, Code Catalyst section on repost for, you know, answering questions, but also getting feedback about the product too. So I encourage people to try out repost as well. Another new product that we'll have launched at reInvent. That's fantastic. Now talking about AWS Builder ID, you mentioned you don't need a credit card. Mm-hmm. How does that play out? If I start using uh, Amazon Code Catalyst, can I deploy to a dev environment without a credit card? At what point do I need to connect an AWS account? So today, when we launch, um, in order for you to create a space, you need to provide an AWS uh, account. And we use that AWS account primarily for billing purposes if you want to upgrade to the standard tier. So how pricing works in Code Catalyst is um, it's based off the space. So me as an individual, I can create as many different uh, spaces as I want. And each space could be of a this what, Is that a workspaces that you were talking about, Harry? When yeah, it's a, it's a shorthand for work. Essentially, it's your workspace, right? Like if oh, you're okay. used to, you know, things like Slack or something like that, you create a workspace. Uh, so it's a, a workspace for, for you to organize your projects in. Each space, um, we have two types of spaces right now. We have free or standard. Uh, the free spaces have a certain limit number of compute minutes and MDE minutes and storage available to you. And if you want additional capacity, then you upgrade to standard. Um, we do anticipate also having an enterprise tier uh, later on um, in, in 2023. But we use that. So to make it easy for you to go from free to standard, we ask for a, a, an AWS account right up front when you create that space. So that's that's what that's primarily used for. In addition, though, you could use that space in order to deploy into AWS, right? But you could also add additional additional accounts as well. So um, for instance, if you had a dev environment that was running under one account, you had a production environment that was running under a different account, or if you did a different accounts for different regions, or, or how are you organized how things run on AWS by account, you have that flexibility to, uh, to add those within your Code Catalyst uh, space and project. So 
we um so yeah so every time you create a space is is when you're going to need your your aws account yeah am i correct in thinking oh uh, i would say from the from the here right you're going to get build minutes you're going to get uh dev environment uh hours uh and if you upgrade to the free to the standard tier you're going to get more um but back to your question Emily, about am i going to be charged right in the free tier you will not be charged for code catalyst usage right Unless you deploy something to your account, in which case you are responsible for the things that you deployed to your account, right? So if you deployed a Lambda service to your account, your your account is still covering the particular things that you would then go and deploy. Uh, in the standard tier as well, if the standard tier doesn't have enough compute minutes or MDE minutes for you, or MDE hours for you, sorry, um, you will also have a pay as you go at that point at, at that tier as well. So, um, so if you're trying not to pay, and you, and you just want to try it out, you should be able to do that, no problem. I was going to say, Doug, stop me if I'm wrong. I think I caught this. Is this the first AWS product ever that I could sign up without a credit card? Uh, yeah. As far as I know. <laughs> Maybe somewhere <laughs> in, kind of a big, in, big thing. In, in ancient AWS history prior to whatever changes, but at least in, in, as far I as I know. Yeah. But what I yeah. will say is if, so the, the other thing we sh that I'd like to, to also call out is, I can invite somebody, right? So once that space is created and I've created my project and I wanted to have another person come help me on it or, or I have a question about something and I want to invite, you know, Harry to come help me, a simple email to Harry, if he has an account, he will click the link and say, accept this, you know, um, invitation and he'll be instantly in my project with the rights that I gave him to then go help me on that particular project. Uh, and he doesn't have to do anything with an AWS account up front, right? He, if he's just joining my product, uh, I've already put all that in and, and we're off and running there. So. And, and I know we're running short on time. So you've gotten some feedback during this process, which has helped you iterate. You have a high level roadmap in your head. What are you thinking about future here? Anything you want to share? Anything you're looking specific feedback? I'll, I'll take a shot at this and then Doug, you can talk about some things. Um, so one of the things we didn't talk about much about the product is um, we talked about how easy it is to sign up, get started, use a blueprint, have everything you need to have a running application on AWS, everything that your team that you need to build applications on AWS. But then you're also in a position to grow, right? So it's really easy to invite other people to your project. So I can invite all of you to my project, and we can all start writing code against it. Um, and when we look into the future, what we want to do is continue to add new features that make that growing capability even easier. So as your team grows beyond, you know, two to three to five people, then you start having to think about things like security more, you, you start thinking more about security and then you start introducing ideas of like governance and um, best practices, right? And so, you know, things that we are already in the works for us, you know, down the future is, you know, better, ability to uh, provide uh, enforce best practices across the team. So things like not being able to deploy during certain windows or ensuring that all code that goes to production is, was um, reviewed by at least you know two people of a certain type um, and on and on and on, right? So we want a full list of things that you could apply to um, basically govern your software development projects. And then also tighter integration with different security tools and the ability to um, let customers uh, give customers visibility into potential security threats that they might have introduced by by way of either 
code that they brought into their application and configuration to it. So there's a big thing about ensuring the right configuration for your services on AWS. Um, so those are some of the most more immediate things that we want to start working on as we go into 23 and, and after the launch. And then, Doug, I don't know if you want to talk about some of the 3P stuff that we're doing and integrations and, and those yeah, sorts of things. Yeah, sure. So the other thing that when we built this product, we realized that, you know, everyone is likely has is somewhere in their DevOps or software development lifecycle journey. And they are, you know, they're, they're happy with some parts of it potentially and maybe unhappy with other parts of it. But to ask someone to kind of throw away everything they have and pick up a whole new solution also isn't really a something that you know you want to ask a customer and a customer doesn't want to do that, right? They want to they want to try it with sort of the minimum amount they can do to get started. Um, and so one of the things that we also prioritized um, outside of the blueprints and the dev environments that we've already talked about a little bit was you know meeting you where you were, right? So if you've got a particular tool that you are using and you like that tool. Uh, let you continue using that tool instead of using our first party solution. So for example, at launch, uh, we'll have an integration with Jira. So if you don't like our issues board or you already are you know, uh, in, in Atlassian and using Jira, uh, just keep using it, right? And then we'll integrate that in and you can reference your issues inside of Jira from Code Catalyst. Another one is uh, GitHub uh, source. So if you have your source code in GitHub and you don't want to move it out of GitHub, perfect, leave it there and use the integration to GitHub to go uh, to go do that. The other thing that we haven't hit on, and it's not necessarily an integration, but more of an actions. Um, if you are heavily invested in the GitHub actions, and, and you know you, you have invested in those, and you want to continue using those, um, those are also compatible with our workflows. So as you are uh, building out and/or modifying the workflows from the blueprint or starting from scratch, you know choose from the blue the, the GitHub actions that you're already using and, and run those uh, locally in Code Catalyst. Yeah, I was gonna say it's one of one of those yeah one of those things that we overlooked. I was trying to get off of mute. Uh, one of those things that we we overlooked was um, we didn't we haven't talked a lot about our pipelines and our workflows that we the, the capabilities that we we offer within Code Catalyst. So one of the things we wanted to go back. So Code Pipeline has been our CI/CD tool that we've offered to customers for a long time, and we've gotten a lot of feedback over the years about how Code Pipeline works. And we took a lot of that feedback and we brought it into Code Catalyst. So one of one of the things that we did was make it easier for customers to do continuous integration. So this includes being able to um, kick off pipelines based off your individual branch to automatically duplicate um, CI workflows per branch. Um, and those sorts of things. But at the same time, customers also really liked um, the ability to have these really sort of more advanced um, deployment features that we brought in from how we do things here at Amazon into the product. So like one of the really interesting things uh, that we do internally, right? So, so here at Amazon, we have these really long lived um, deployment pipelines because we, we, have, we progressively roll out our changes across multiple regions and yeah, we did an episode with Claire. Yeah, so yeah, super so, interesting how we roll it out and scale right. it up. Right. So change the doing based on that sort of method. You know, a, ch a change could take potentially days or weeks or you know who knows maybe even months to get out fully. And so you have this pipeline that's constantly running. And so while that pipeline's running, you have new changes sort of flowing in behind it. And what we do is we look at those changes coming in from behind it, and if we know that it is going to uh, supersede or basically nullify a change that's currently somewhere in the in the deployment wave. We'll we'll do what's called superseding and move that change ahead of that in the pipeline 
so that you're not having to wait for all of these changes to flow through. Because you can imagine the cumulative effect of waiting days, days and days and days for all these changes to go, you know, you might have changes, you know, delayed for, for weeks, right? And so we have enough smarts to say, oh, this commit will overwrite this commit. So let's squash the pipeline. Let's move to the one to the, to the front and then start moving things forward. So we brought that tech, that those techniques into our workflows as well. We call that, you know, superseded mode. So you have this huge nice. parallel and superseded mode um, that we apply to our workflows. But what's really neat is then we built those workflows on top of the open source GitHub action standard, right? So you can take a GitHub action and run it within our workflows and get the benefit of all the GitHub actions that you might use in the open source that you've written yourself combined with, you know, these more advanced features that we have for deployments like superseded. And so, you know, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. Um, and I think it's, you know, one of those things that's really unique about the product is the, 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 the way we do our, our workflows and our pipelines as well. Um, so, and as Doug mentioned, you know, if you're already invested in building GitHub Actions or if you want to take advantage of ones that are open source licensed, then you can simply import them into your workflow and, and have them working. So, so yeah, we're really excited about that. And, awesome. you know, from, yeah, and, and so end to end experience, it's, it's, you know, it's really tight going from planning my work through to making my code changes through to deployment and then seeing those results all within one application like that in addition to to the the, the other stuff that we've done we've also included a bunch of dashboards and sort of visualization across the entire workflow which um i think customers would be excited about as well that's incredible well i um i want to thank you both for coming on to the podcast and talking about amazon code catalyst i'm really genuinely excited I know um, once this is released, you'll have spoken at reInvent around this uh, and people should be able to see those videos. What, what kind of things should they be looking for when they're reviewing reInvent content? Um, well, I think the- What Harry was wearing on stage. Yeah. <laughs> All the cool swag we're going to give away at, uh, at reInvent. No, um, I mean, the big thing for us for right now, so I encourage everyone to go to codecattles.aws, sign up, start using the product. Who knows? There might be some interesting things that you'll find in the blueprints. Um, uh, yeah, it's just a little precursor there. There might be some interesting things in those blueprints that you might want to take advantage of long term. So give them a shot, deploy some applications, tell us what you think. Like I said, go to uh, either go to new repost. We have uh, other support channels, including Stack Overflow as well, if you want to go up there and start asking some questions. But um, I just, you know, we are launching in preview. So there are there is some more work that we still need to do. And we still want to get some feedback from customers to make the product even better. You know, we try our best on the first launch to get everything right. But we know that there's always something there that we've, we might have missed. And we want to hear that from customers as well. So please encourage everyone to get the feedback either like said, through Stack Overflow, repost, or directly in the product itself. You know, we have a feedback button in the product itself to give feedback. It's fantastic. Where can people find you online? Uh, not on Twitter, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> League of Legends, Harry plays League of Legends. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't have time for games. LinkedIn mostly, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. <laughs> How about you, Doug, where do they find you? Yeah, that's where you're going to find me as well. Sorry, we're. Uh, yeah. I guess we're not uh, the the cool uh, the cool crowd with. Uh... I don't know where to go anymore. I I feel you know I don't know what my where my tribe is anymore. So I just everyone, stick... everyone keeps trying to get me to Mastodon, and I I mean I'm a, a fairly late adopter anyway. I know this is not uh, a cool thing to say when you're you work in tech, but 
I'm uh, like a little bit of a Luddite. Uh, and so people are like, join Mastodon. I'm like, no, I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me. I don't. I, I'm on Twitter. And you are being humble. Things. You have such a, you have a massive following on Twitter and you're real on Twitter. And you even got TikToks now. I do have, got- I do have the TikToks. Yeah. So. I used to just well, say Twitter, but I don't know anymore, you know, so know. we'll see. I know. We'll see. It's a, it's a day by day experience. We're just watching it slowly burn. <laughs> hey, there's excitement and change. That's right. <laughs> you know, all things, all things, all things rise and all things fall and bad things fall and good things rise. So it's all good. Well, I appreciate all of your time and I am super excited about this product. Thank you for all of your hard work. I know it has been a long time coming and the vision of what you are all doing in this, I think developers will love and I can't wait to, to uh, hear all the feedback. Yeah, we'll have to come back on and talk about the next wave of things that we're doing and you know address some customer feedback as well. So looking forward to coming back on here. Yeah, talk about we things we've learned. Yep, thank yes. you guys. All right, thanks y'all. Cool, all right, see ya. Bye. Why, why now is a good question. <laughs> We're going to have to edit this part, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I realized the way I phrased it, I was like, because we didn't ship it in 2021, Emily. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because I, I tried to do this four years ago, but people told me it was too hard. Um, <laughs> why now? Uh, Doug, what's a good answer for why now? <laughs>